0: Hello, and welcome to the Mumalogues podcast, the podcast created for mothers by mothers to share stories, encourage each other, and create a safe space. Hosted by Melbourne mum, Kate Burgess, a mum with a passion for all things support, empowerment, and love for all mothers and their journeys. This week is International Panda Week, so on the show today we'll be talking all things perinatal anxiety and depression, from the definitions to symptoms, the journey to diagnosis and how and where you can seek help. I'll also be sharing my personal journey because I think it's important that we speak up about mental health, especially as mothers. Thank you so much for joining us on our third episode of the Mumalogues podcast. Um, As mentioned, today we'll be talking all things perinatal anxiety and depression um, to celebrate Panda Week this week. Um, I feel as though uh, mental health is much less taboo than it used to be, which is fantastic. I feel we're definitely taking big steps forward. But as a mother myself and speaking to other mothers, I still think that a lot of the time we have um, this fear that we can't speak up about our internal struggles and the things that we might be finding difficult in parenthood. And that definitely includes uh, depression and anxiety. I believe that social media again plays a big part in this because we see mothers out there doing these amazing things every day. And some days when it's you know really difficult to get out of bed and you have those thoughts that, You know, parenting isn't what you expected, but maybe even further from that that you're really not enjoying it, you're not happy. And I feel like mothers tend to be a little bit scared to admit that because, you know, in a world where there's so many people out there who struggle to fall pregnant or, you know, it's something that we've wanted for so long, we feel as though we don't have a right to speak up and say, Hey, you know, some days aren't sunshine and roses and I'm really struggling and I feel like we really struggle to ask for help. So the idea behind the podcast today is to give some information, some facts about perinatal anxiety and depression, give you some outlets and different places that you can contact if you feel you are struggling. Um, I want to share my own story and hopefully empower you to seek help and Talk if you need it and to realize that by doing so it doesn't make you less of a parent, doesn't make you less of a mother, but in fact, talking about it is, you know, the first step and the most important step to looking after yourself and ultimately looking after your family as well. The definition of postnatal depression is just a name given to depression that develops one month to one year after the birth of a baby. So that's postnatal depression. There's also perinatal depression, and that encompasses from the moment of conception up until a year post-birth. So for the m- remainder of the podcast, we will probably reference perinatal depression just to encompass all of that. So it affects one in every seven women who give birth in Australia each year. So that's it's a huge number. Um, a lot of these women will fight in silence. It is an invisible disease. You can't see it. Um, As with all mental health, you know, you can walk along the street smiling and laughing. You can see your friends and everything can be fantastic. And then the next day you may not be able to get out of bed and you may feel just anger and sadness rather than that happiness you were feeling yesterday. So one in seven women, it's a high number and it's even higher when you realize that that number is somewhere in the vicinity of of 44,000 mothers a year. So it's not by any means a small number, but I feel as though because it is a, it's an invisible illness. It's something that you can battle internally without wearing a badge and without, you know, having a cast on. So people don't always know that you're battling, you know, that you're going through something day in and day out. It's something that you can hide inside you. And for some women, that's fantastic because they want to be able to get out there and you know not wear it as a, as a badge of honor, but also it can be quite isolating and quite lonely to battle something internally when the rest of the world thinks that you're happy and loving life. So, forty four thousand women is it's a lot of people, and it probably affects more women close to you than you actually realise. Um, so perinatal depression and perinatal anxiety and perinatal psychosis are things that we're going to be chatting about today. But first off, I do want to talk about um, the baby blues. And the reason for that is a lot of the time women will classify how they're feeling as the baby blues. And that's pretty normal as most women will go through some form of baby blues. So baby blues generally hits about day two to three. Um, a lot of the time it will come in at about the same time as your milk is coming in, regardless of if you're breastfeeding or not. It's that shift in hormones that tends to to make this happen. So as you can imagine, you're full of endorphins, you're full of oxytocin, all the wonderful love hormones because you've just given birth to this incredible little person. And, you know, after two to three days, those levels start to decline a little bit. And you can feel a little bit anxious and teary and a bit moody during these times. Um, you might find yourself crying over ridiculous things or what you deem to be ridiculous. But at the same time, you know you're still crying over them. You're still upset. You may find yourself just feeling blue, just feeling sad. Um, a lot of women do experience this. There's some women that don't. And that's fantastic. Um, but the the whole idea of um, perinatal depression and anxiety is that it goes beyond that, okay? So if in a week's time or two weeks time you're still feeling like this, that's when you want to sort of speak to someone and, you know, start getting those feelings out there. And um, a lot of the time as well with when the baby blues start to hit, it might be a case of um, that sort of birth trauma or if you're having difficulties with feeding or, if you know, all of those feelings, you know, you might have had a hard time falling pregnant anything like that it tends to be when these sorts of things hit because you've been so focused on you know getting through a pregnancy getting through a labor you know dealing with feeding and whatever it might be for those first two to three days that, that when the baby blues hit all of that sort of hits you at the same time and sometimes for some women it does just extend beyond that and those two to three days end up being two to three weeks and that's when you know things like, perinatal depression and anxiety might be diagnosed. So some of the symptoms that um, can indicate postnatal depression can be things like having just a really low mood, um, feeling a bit as of a failure as a mother, which is it's a, a horrible feeling, feeling a bit of a sense of hopelessness about the future and how you're going to continue and you know, starting to stress and worry about things that might be a year or two or five years into the future. Um, Feeling exhausted and sort of empty and very sad and teary. Um, Obviously, again, this is another thing to think about because you are going to be exhausted when you've just given birth. Um, You're not used to getting up, you know, five times in the middle of the night to feed a baby and change, you know, poo explosions and things like that. So there is levels to all of this because that exhaustion is going to make you feel a little bit you know, sad and a little bit empty anyway. But it's there's a level where it's, you know, normal just because you're sleep deprived. And if you have a good night's sleep, you feel better. And then there's a level where that exhaustion and that empty and sad feeling is overwhelming. And it doesn't matter how much sleep you have or how much rest you have, it's hard to see the sort of positives in life. Um, And because of that, you might start to feel a little bit guilty or ashamed or worthless because you feel like you're not enjoying this parenting journey that you should be enjoying because the world tells you that when you have a baby it's the greatest thing that's ever happened and you have to enjoy every second of it so if you're not feeling that overwhelming joy and intense love and happiness then all of a sudden you start to feel guilty and ashamed that can make you feel quite anxious and horrible as well so to go along with that you might be having some trouble with your sleeping you might be sleeping for really long periods of time or you know your baby might be sleeping really well but rather than you doing the same, you're actually laying there awake, you know, worrying or going over things that happen during the day or how you're feeling or sometimes you get so in your own head about how sad and, you know, upset you're feeling that it's all you can think about and especially in that darkness of night where you're lying and you feel completely alone, take into account the fact that you have had someone, you know, with you, you know, in inside you for nine months and all of a sudden that... That feeling of intense loneliness can be incredibly overwhelming. So that's another thing to take into account. Um, And it's those intrusive thoughts that happen at night. It's in the darkness when everybody's sleeping soundly and you should be too, that you start thinking, but what if something happens to my baby when I'm asleep? And what if... I'm not the mother my baby deserves and it's these thoughts that just compound and they are intense and they are impossible to ignore and that's something that you need to be talking about. Um, I feel as mothers that we, we judge ourselves so deeply and if we're ever having these thoughts, these intrusive, excessive thoughts that you can't seem to get out of your head, we're too scared to speak up because there's a part of us that says, well, if I tell someone that I'm having thoughts that something happens to my baby, they're going to take my baby off me or they're going to think that I'm an unfit mother because I'm having these thoughts. And it's sometimes it's sitting down with a group of women who are going through the same thing as you and as soon as someone mentions that they're having these thoughts everybody starts talking about them. And you realize that it's actually not this taboo thing. It's quite a normal thought process because you care so deeply about something that you can't help but think about what might happen if this. But to actually talk to someone about that, especially if you've never heard of anybody else going through it, you feel like maybe you're going a little bit crazy. And maybe these thoughts that you're having are completely irrational. And that's quite scary and especially in the darkness of the night when it happens. So that is, it's a big thing. If you start to feel like this, if you start to feel like these thoughts are overwhelming and, you know, having an impact on the way that you live your life, you need to talk to someone, whether it be your husband, your mum, your neighbour, your doctor, but actually talk about it, get it out there. And also that feeling of being scared and alone. So, you know, some Women and some partners are very lucky to have someone stay at home with them for, you know, a week, two weeks, a month after they've given birth. It might be a partner, it might be be a friend, it might be family, whatever it might be. And you sort of start to rely on having that person around with you when, you know, you're having a bad day, when you haven't had sleep, you've got someone to share that with. And if they go back to work or go back to, you know, wherever they come from, that intense feeling of loneliness because you're there by yourself you know you might be there by yourself for a day you might be there by yourself for a week it's just you and a baby and that lack of adult interaction and it's just an incredibly isolating feeling so those feelings of loneliness are sort of amplified when you're feeling actually depressed and Add that to the lack of sleep and these intrusive thoughts and the exhausted, empty feeling and the low mood and the inadequate feelings that you're having and all of a sudden it's incredibly overwhelming. There's all of this negative in your life and suddenly you feel as though you're being crushed alive by it. And again, I I, I encourage you to speak up at this point because getting to that point where you feel so isolated and alone and going through something that is so extreme like that No one should ever have to battle that alone. Okay, so if you're feeling like this, if you're feeling like you're having these symptoms, please reach out and speak to somebody. Now, in regards to perinatal anxiety, um, it's a little bit different. Um, It's still got a lot to do with thoughts and feelings. Um, You generally will feel sort of an overwhelming sense of fear and worry, and it actually Takes over you. Now, a lot of people who um, deal with perinatal anxiety have dealt with some level of anxiety in their lives before. It might be sort of a generalized anxiety disorder or it might be, you know, OCD or something like that. However, a lot of women have never felt anything like this before, and, you know, having your first panic attack or um, something like that when you've got a new baby for the first time is actually terrifying. So Understanding these symptoms is very important so that you can get on top of it before that occurs. So you might find yourself feeling irritable and restless and a little bit on edge. Um, Again, this is made much worse by the fact that you haven't been sleeping well and you're not used to that. But this is quite an intense feeling. So you feel like you can't sit still. You can't sort of enjoy anything. You're just kind of on edge, like you're almost waiting for something bad to happen And when it gets to actual panic attacks, you might find yourself having a physical reaction to this anxiety. So a racing heart or shortness of breath or a a literal feeling of heaviness on your chest. Um, You might feel like you just need a cold splash in the face to just be able to think straight. Um, Sometimes when it gets so bad and you're having a panic attack, you actually feel like you're dying. You feel like this impending sense of doom where that's it. This is, this is what your life has come to. You're at the final ending point of your life and it's actually bloody terrifying, okay? And some other things are just reoccurring worrying thoughts like we were talking about before, the things that you kind of think, well, what if this happens? And when I mean they can be completely insane and crazy, these thoughts, I genuinely mean that. I mean that you could be standing at your kitchen table chopping carrots, and your baby might be sitting in the bassinet near you, or you know, and you kind of go, "Shit, what if the knife slips and it hurts the baby?" That might be ten meters away. It's it's this thought in your head, but you can't help but think it. And sometimes you don't just think it; you can actually see it occurring, and that's it's scary. And you know, if you've never experienced that before, it's it's incredibly overwhelming. Um, and again, that inability to sleep, and then sort of avoiding everybody and everything. Sometimes, you know, because of these thoughts and because of that worry, you don't want to go out because you don't want something to happen to your baby. You don't want to go to the shops. You don't want to drive in the car. And that's when that isolation is taken to the next level because not only are you internalizing all of this, but you're then actually not even seeing anybody or speaking to anybody about it. So that's sort of the difference, I suppose. The anxiety is more based on thoughts and these intrusive things and this constant fear and living in worry, whereas the um, depression is more feelings of sort of emptiness and sadness and the inability to enjoy the life that you have. So, two things that you know we really need to talk about and you really need to be aware of. And if this is you know hitting a nerve for you, if it's if it's making you sort of nod along and go, yeah, I do feel these things again. Please seek help. Please speak to someone. It doesn't matter who it is, but you need to open up about how you're feeling. Um, The other thing I did just want to touch on is um, postnatal psychosis or perinatal psychosis, which affects one to two women in a thousand births um, in Australia. Um, It's classified by sort of extreme mood swings and um, extreme feelings and thoughts It can be hallucinations, so seeing and hearing things that aren't there. Um, And it can be an extreme feeling of paranoia as well, like someone is out to get you or someone is out to hurt your baby. Um, This, as well as suicidal thoughts, are considered a medical emergency. And I can't emphasize enough the importance of seeking help if you are in this position. I understand that sometimes that feels like you are failing and that um, you're admitting you know, defeat, I suppose, in a way, um, but you're not, okay? You can't care for a child if you can't care for yourself. You need to look out for yourself. You are the number one priority. As hard as that is to do sometimes, as hard as that is to feel sometimes, it is the truth. You need to be looking after yourself because you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't look after someone if you're not looking after yourself. So if you're feeling like this, you need to speak to someone, If someone in your family, if you are seeing these symptoms, if you are seeing these things happen, please reach out to them. Ask them if they're okay. Ask them if you can help. Try and convince them that they need to see someone, that they need to speak to someone. The really scary statistic is in Australia that the number one killer of women post-birth is suicide. It's not bleeding during pregnancy. It's not complications during birth. It is suicide in the first 42 days after birth. And that is an incredibly worrying and scary statistic and something that, you know, I I want to be a part of making that better. I want that number to be zero. I want women to feel supported and looked after and like they have options and that they have people to talk to and support out there. So I will talk about this until the cows come home because it's important. But if you are feeling alone, if you are feeling isolated, if you are feeling sad, if you can't enjoy your life, if you can't enjoy your babies. Please speak to someone because it can be fixed. They can help you. And a world where you're not here is not the answer to that. Okay, so it's probably very obvious at this point that this is something that is very close to my heart. Um, for many, many reasons. Obviously, working as a midwife, I've seen a lot of these things firsthand. I've seen women suffer antenatally and postnatally with these feelings and these thoughts and these this idea that they're not good enough because they're having them. Um, but it is also something that I've suffered from myself. I've been through this. If I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, I'm probably in one of the worst places I've been in personally Myself at the moment. So when I talk about these symptoms, when I talk about these feelings and how I know it's hard to seek help, I'm speaking from my heart and I'm speaking from a place of absolute understanding. As a midwife and seeing these things happen and seeing, you know, women affected, I can say that there is no Type, it doesn't discriminate. You know, feeling these feelings and having depression and having anxiety doesn't hit a certain person. It doesn't hit a person who's had a terrible childhood. It doesn't specifically hit a person who has gone through horrible things. You can have had a beautiful childhood and a wonderful life, and all of a sudden your life is changed. And that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. And I think if that's a message we can get across, if we can share that with mothers that, hey, some days are really hard and that's all right. And some days you can't get through those feelings on your own. And it's okay to speak to somebody. It's okay to seek help. And it's okay to talk about it. Talk about it with other people. Have the chat with your mum friends, you know, you'd be so surprised how many people are feeling the same way that you are. And the only way that this is going to change, the only way that this stigma is going to disappear is if we talk about it. I had my first child at 21 years of age. i just turned 21. I was young and it was scary. I was in a committed, wonderful, healthy relationship that I still am, you know, seven and a half years later. But that first year of having a baby is terrifying and it changes your life in more ways than you can ever possibly imagine before you've had children. People tell you and they, you know, oh ha 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 you'll never sleep again or you won't get to do that once the baby comes and people love to throw that sort of advice at you, which is which is fine. But the actual understanding of what that means and how that is going to change your life Is actually impossible to comprehend until you're there and until you're living it. My partner and I weren't party animals. We didn't go out much. We hadn't traveled. We didn't really do a lot. We went to work. We came home. We spent time together. We enjoyed our lives. But we, you know, we didn't live sort of a spontaneous, crazy life by any means. But that effect that, you know, Ethan had on us. In you know wonderful ways, do not get me wrong he was he is amazing, he is a beautiful little boy, and I'm so thankful that he's in my life. But that first year was incredibly challenging, and being a young mum meant that I didn't have a lot of people to talk to. I didn't have someone who was going through the same thing as me. I didn't have people. To share my journey with. I didn't have people to share my story with because people didn't understand. And I had these friends from high school and things like that who, you know, at 20, 21 years of age, you think are friends for life. But it's very hard for them to understand where you're at in your life when they are out, you know, enjoying their life and enjoying their early 20s and absolutely as they should be. But it's not that you don't want to go out and spend time with them. It's that you you can't and that your priorities have changed. And navigating that first year of parenting without a sisterhood around you, without a group of people who are there to support and empower you is incredibly isolating and it's incredibly lonely. And I was very unfortunate in the fact that I went to a mother's group that was predominantly older mothers and I felt very left out and I was uh, the odd one out in the group, I suppose. And I was very much uh, neglected in the group. And once it stopped being run by the community and by the council, they organised their own mum's group and I, I wasn't invited to that. So I felt very alone and I was I was terrified. I was young and I was scared that if I spoke to someone about how I was feeling and what I was... Experiencing than just because I was young already that I would, I would have that beautiful little baby who I loved endlessly, but I would have him taken off me because maybe I didn't deserve him in the first place. If I couldn't enjoy every second with him, um, we battled silent reflux with him and lactose intolerance, and he was he was a very sad baby. He was a very hard baby, um, and. I reached out for help in the way of the internet and I googled things and I doctor googled everything and I think because of that, because I was always seeking an answer, I wasn't looking within myself to follow my own maternal instincts. I wasn't cuddling him and feeding him and doing all the things that I now know I would do. Because I thought that was wrong. I thought that I was spoiling him and that I was giving him too much love and that that was the reason that he was so sad and that he wouldn't sleep and, you know, that it was all my fault. And again, it's those feelings of guilt, like no matter what you're doing, it's wrong. Like you you should have this maternal instinct and they tell you as soon as the baby's here, you'll just know what to do. And when you walk in that door the first day that you've had that baby and you don't have that feeling that you don't automatically know what to do, you instantaneously feel like a failure because you think, well, I shouldn't have done this. I, I'm, I'm not. I shouldn't be a mother. I don't know how to do it. I don't have that instinct. I've got no idea what I'm doing. Let me tell you, no one does. It doesn't matter how natural it is. It doesn't matter that mammals do it, that people, that animals do it, that everybody does it, that people go back and have 10 babies. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it comes naturally. And it doesn't mean you have to do it alone and suffer in silence. I can't emphasize that enough, and I'm coming from a point where I didn't seek help until Ethan was a year old, I think, and the things that I battled and the thoughts that I had in that year, I, I will never forget and I don't doubt that there is an element of that that has affected my bond with my seven-year-old and that's a very hard thing to say out loud but it's true because... I was constantly thinking in his first year of life, rather than just enjoying him and being there for him, I was constantly thinking that I I had ruined his life by being his mum and that I wasn't doing the best for him and that I wasn't supporting him and loving him the way that he needed to be supported and loved. And I suppose I'm still working through that seven years later. And I had quite an awful birth with him and... Again, I I found that there were people around me who were just telling me, well, it's fantastic that he's here and that you've got him and that's all that matters. Happy, healthy mum, happy, healthy baby. But you know what? No. Birth trauma is real. And again, this is something I've experienced personally and I've experienced professionally. And I've seen the after effect of birth trauma and just how significant it can be. And I have no doubt that that is one of the biggest underlying reasons to this maternal suicide rate. Because... Not having the birth that you'd envisaged and feeling like before you've even met your baby, that bond has changed is incredibly overwhelming and it's incredibly real. And the more that we can talk about that and understand that rather than judging one another, you know, the better it is, honestly, the more that we talk and support and empower each other. And if you have had a terrible birth or you've had an experience that is really hard for you to overcome, then you need to be able to talk about that with people. And you need to be able to talk about that with people who understand you and who aren't going to judge you for that, but are going to wrap their arms around you and say, yeah, you know, that sucks. It's not great. And I'm sorry you had that experience. You know, it doesn't need to be fixed, but sometimes you just need to be listened to. Um, In the last year in my, you know, personal life, um, I am obviously very lucky to be blessed with a beautiful little girl who I never thought I'd have. I thought I was always destined to have boys. Um, Obviously, with our oldest, it was a surprise, a beautiful surprise, Um, but it took us eight months to fall pregnant with our second, and two years, and uh, some miscarriages to fall pregnant with our daughter as well, Um, and... The emotional toll that that sort of journey has on you is quite significant and I firmly believe doesn't necessarily hit you straight away. Um, In the first year after a birth, I was overwhelmed with joy, obviously. I had a beautiful home birth with her, which was incredibly rewarding and beautiful and safe, obviously, Um, and is an experience I will never forget. But when those baby blues hit for me, the biggest overwhelming factor for me was knowing that I wouldn't be having more babies. Three babies is what we'll be having and that's it. Um, And I know that my fertility probably wouldn't support another baby either. Um, And beyond that sort of two to three days of baby blues, I found myself every time she hit a milestone, I was obviously thrilled but equal parts devastated because there was never going to be that milestone in my life again. I was never going to have a baby in four zero clothes anymore. Sorry. I was never going to have, you know, a baby smile at me for the first time again. I was never going to have that first crawling experience or walking experience. And that's it's beautiful and I'm lucky that she's meeting these milestones don't get me wrong but it is almost something that you need to grieve because I love being pregnant and I love newborns and I love babies and knowing that I have left that stage in the past is quite emotional for me obviously but it's, it's a real feeling and I think that it's taken me until my third baby to understand that these feelings aren't irrational, that these thoughts I have aren't silly, they're not dumb, they're real and it's my real life. And if I don't talk about them and I don't debrief about them, then they will eat me up and I know that. And in the last year she got quite sick for a while and um, our middle child has, you know, a few different things going including some asthma and, you know, he gets quite sick when he gets sick. Um, and I've been battling all of those things and, you know, personal journeys in mine and my husband's life and I launched a business which was very successful and fantastic but um, it sort of died down towards the end of the year and I'm sort of riding that wave as well and... Yeah, there's more things that I can possibly talk about. And it's been an amazing, incredible year full of amazing ups. But the downs this year have been quite significant. And I feel like I'm the kind of person who is a fixer. So I fix people. I like to support them. I like to look after them. But in doing so, sometimes I forget about myself. And I give so much of myself that sometimes I've just got nothing left for me. And I feel like that's what's happened in the last couple of months. Um, I felt quite overwhelmed with being a stay-at-home parent, which is lovely. And I'm so lucky to stay at home and see my babies and spend my time with my babies and see them grow and see them develop. But it is incredibly isolating and it's, it's hard. And I feel kind of stuck in a place where... If I go back to work, I'm going to miss these moments. But if I don't go back to work, I don't know. I I feel very lonely and very alone and my husband comes home and bears the brunt of all of that. And I, I feel like I have gone from, especially because the business was doing so well at the start of the year where I had all these accomplishments and all these milestones and I was doing all of these things that were amazing... And now because my day's made up of cleaning the same thing 43,000 times and cooking dinner and folding washing and doing school pick up and school drop off, I suppose I'm struggling a little bit where I feel like I shouldn't be. And that's when I knew I got to the point that I needed help because it wasn't just that I wasn't feeling accomplished by my day, but I wasn't enjoying my day. I wasn't enjoying my time with my children. I wasn't enjoying the beautiful things that they give me and the smiles and the laughter and the time spent with them. And as far as I'm concerned, that's when I got to a point where I knew I needed to call and speak to someone. And, and I have, and I have been speaking to Lifeline and I've spoken to Panda And I've found them to be very supportive and given me some techniques and some things that I can use to try and get myself back on track. And I know that if those things don't work, then my next step is to speak to my GP and then I will seek help because I know that I need. And I know that being the best person I can be and being the best mum that I can be. is determined by the fact that I look after myself and that means physically and mentally. So I will look after myself and I will speak to someone and I will get the help I need because I need to and my children need me to. So I encourage you to do the same. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling like there is no happiness in your day, if you are laying awake at night thinking about all the things that could happen, if you just can't see the light in your day anymore, then you need to speak to someone and you need to get help. And I promise you they will help you. They will help you see the light. They will help you enjoy your life. They will help you enjoy your children. And most importantly, they will help you to see how incredible you are, how you are exactly what your children need, how you are doing everything that you can to love and support them and how in the end, that is all that matters. So what happens from here? If I have said something today that has affected you, if you have been nodding along, if you have felt like I've been reading your mind and I've been acknowledging the thoughts that you've been having, then you need to seek help. You need to speak to someone and there are many options for you to do so. You can call Lifeline 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, and that's on 13 11 14. You can call Panda. That's one 726 306 You can call Beyond Blue, which is one 300 224 Pregnancy, birth and baby also have support for parents and families, which is one 882 436 And of course, if your life is in danger, if you feel like you're at a point where you are thinking about suicide or you are thinking about harming someone, please call triple zero and speak to someone. Um, In regards to the GP, you can go to the GP and set up a mental health care plan, which can get you um, discounted um, mental health services. There are options out there. So please, I urge you to speak to someone, call someone. If you are struggling, if you need help, there is nothing more important than looking after yourself. If you gain nothing else out of this entire day where all I've done is talk to you about sad things, then please, please understand that I'm doing it from a place of understanding. I'm doing it for a pl- from a place of genuine care and from a place where I want to see that statistic of maternal suicide disappear. I want you to feel supported and my inbox is open always. My Instagram, my Facebook PMs are open always. If you need to talk to someone, if you need to talk to someone who gets it, I by no means have any qualifications in any of this, but I've been there and I understand it. And sometimes you just need to talk to someone who gets it. So please reach out for the people around you, reach out to your village. If you don't have a village, then find someone Call Lifeline, speak to your GP, find a psychologist who's going to listen and make you feel supported and make you realise just how bloody important you are. Thank you for joining in today. Be kind to yourself, look after yourself and make sure you're taking a moment of reflection and self-care every day. Big shout out too, to our very first podcast sponsors, Stuck On You, who have set up a special discount code just for the Mum Logs listeners, which is Mum10 at checkout, and it gives you 10% off everything other than their value packs. Um, check out their website for an awesome range of name labels, bento boxes, bags, and just so much more, including Christmas stuff. Everybody loves Christmas stuff, so check it out.